Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Artemis endeavors to get more women in the field and on the water. To support women as leaders in the conservation movement. To ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Hi, and welcome to the Artemis Podcast. I'm your host, Carly Kutnick, and today we have an Artemis ambassador joining us, Tracy Shaw. How are you, Tracy? I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to share your story with the rest of the uh, Artemis network. It's so, a pleasure. Yeah. So to start, Tracy, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you have in your freezer currently? Oh, goodness. Right now, I currently have duck geese, alligator, venison, crappie, walleye, bass, and a few bluegill. I also have some elk and some pheasant. That's quite the array of critters yes. that you have. <laughs> if you were to choose your the, the your favorite, which would that be? Um, Probably elk because it tastes close the closest to beef. Awesome. Do you make a lot of jerky with it or do you do roasts or how do you usually cook it? Well, actually, that is one of my outdoor goals. I've never um, got a chance to elk hunt. I put in a draw for Arkansas every year. So my dad provided me with that elk. Um, But I make a lot of jerky with the goose and the duck that I have in the freezer. Fascinating. I don't know if I've ever had duck jerky or goose jerky. It's really good. It's really good. I, sounds like I'm going to have to make a trip and uh, <laughs> come and test Absolutely. it out. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, Tracy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm a 48-year-old uh, single mom and business owner. Um, basically, live and breathe the outdoors outside of my, my business that I have. 
Um, on social media platforms, I'm known as Arkansas Outdoors Woman. And I love to mentor people in the outdoors to continue our heritage. How did you end up going down that path? Well, because um, my dad brought me up hunting and fishing with him. And um, in my era, it wasn't so widely accepted of women being in the outdoors. And so I had to prove myself a lot. And um, just because I was a woman and I didn't really understand that because my dad didn't bring me up like that. So I knew those trials and I thought, you know, how awesome would it be if I kind of took other women under my wing and um, had one-on-one time with them where they were made to feel comfortable with any question that they ask and I could teach them every skill that I knew to make them more comfortable to going out and doing anything in the outdoors on their own. And that's kind of where everything started. Um, Then I would have, you know, women talk to me about their kids or I've never been in the outdoors, but I have a son or a daughter who I would love for you to take. So then I also got involved in mentoring kids in the outdoors. And with that mentorship, does it span the array of activities? Is it exclusively hunting, exclusively fishing? What sorts of activities do you do? So basically, whatever is going on in the outdoors year-round as far as hunting and fishing, when it's turkey season, I I take people turkey hunting. When it's deer season, I take them deer hunting. Um, When it's gator season, I take them gator hunting. Um, I take them fishing. If it's uh, pheasant season, we go pheasant hunting. So whatever is next. And I kind of just post on my pages and my platforms, hey, I have this hunt coming up or I'm going hunting or I'm going fishing. If you are a woman or a child that wants to join me, come join me. Um, Some of the trips that I uh, put together are... um, you know, through women's organizations that I'm involved in. So some of those, of course, have a cost with them. And then some of the mentoring that I do as myself, I do it as a way of giving back and it's volunteer. That's fantastic. There's such a need for it. And I, I think that it's so important to make the outdoors accessible and um, how great that you found that niche and you've moved into it and brought a lot of other people into it. Share, will you share with us a time when you were maybe first starting this endeavor where you thought to yourself, this is what I want to be doing. This is what I should be doing. Oh my goodness. It's just been, it's been so many years. There's so many amazing stories with amazing women. It's so hard to pick. Um, I can share a recent one with you from last goose season um, I have been understudying a goose guide for five years, working toward a goal of mine. And I had a lady contact me. She was 65 and she said, Tracy, I've never been goose hunting. Do you think I can do it? And I said, absolutely you can. And she was like, well, you know, what about if you're out in the field, how rough is it to walk around? You know, sometimes it's really muddy. Your feet can get stuck in the mud and those waders are, are terrible for your, <laughs> your feet getting stuck and falling over and embarrassing yourself. And it was like, 
anybody who does waterfowl hunting, you know, that's happened to at one point or another, no big deal. I'm here to help you and support you and lift you up. If it happens, we'll laugh together and move on. If this is something that you want to do, I will help you. And it was just the most amazing hunt. I had um, three other ladies and um, it was also conservation season. So you did not need a plug in your gun. So I got to teach them how to take their gun apart. They had never done that, how to remove their plug. They didn't even know that they had a plug in their gun. And it was really cool. And all the jokes that, you know, went along with that and explaining about the spring and how many shells it holds and putting it back together. And they were just so empowered. And of course, you know, I am a woman, so I can get emotional and we all were kind of getting teary eyed because here we are and this is their first time doing that. And we just were so happy for each other and, you know, hugging each other like, oh my gosh, we just took plugs out of our guns, you know, and high fiving and it's just those little bitty moments like that are moments that I think that people live for in the outdoors and sometimes more women than men because, you know, a lot of them have grown up knowing how to do that. So in mentoring women, a lot of times these are a lot of their first time experiences ever in those scenarios or experiences in the outdoors. And I get to be a a part of so many first. And I just feel so blessed and honored to be a part of those moments. And um, on the next day when we went out and uh, put out the decoys and it's pitch black and then, you know, getting them laid down and explaining the process, she shot her first goose and everybody is laughing and cheering her on because as soon as she shot it, it fell right into her lap. And she was like, I mean, it's right like a once in a lifetime hunt. She was like, you don't shoot something and it falls in your lap, you know? So she just had the best time. And now I see her on social media and she's getting more and more engaged in things in the outdoors and she's 65. So this is like a new part or page, you know, in her life. And it's inspired her and bringing her so much happiness and I got to be a small part of that. And it's just awesome. That, that is, that's really wonderful. Did you yeah. get, so this was her first goose Very hunt first time. together. Waterfowl first... period. Yep. Never wow. shot a bird in her life. Wow. Yep. That's unbelievable. It was crazy. <laughs> <That's> so exciting. <laughs> and has she, so have you had other opportunities to hunt with her? Have you taken her out again? So she's actually booked with me to go gator hunting. I take women gator hunting every September for the past five years. And she is coming with me in September to hopefully harvest her first gator. So neat. Can you? So I also, <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from the West and uh, I know absolutely nothing about gator hunting. Can you elaborate on what, yeah, what you need for gator hunting and what that looks like and how long the season is and what's unique about Arkansas, if there is anything? Okay. Well, each state that does have gator hunting is different in their regulations of how you hunt or harvest your gator. Um in Arkansas, it's actually a draw, so you have to apply for it, and so it's a lot harder to be able to harvest gators. 
you know, um, or if you're wanting to take people and teach them. So I looked into Louisiana and there are just, I don't even know the, the numbers actually, but I know there's just thousands um, in South Louisiana. And I looked at the regulations and landowners are given so many tags based up on the acreage that they have. And so some landowners don't even hunt their gators. And so they have all of these tags that aren't even used. And sometimes you can get a hold of the landowners and you can get a non-resident license and you can go down. If you have a boat, preferably with a mud uh, motor because there's so much grass and everything in the waters where the gators live. So a regular... um, boat motor that we usually use out in lakes and things like that wouldn't work. You have to have a mud motor because they skim across the top of the water or an airboat or something like that. So um, what I do, because I don't want to transport everything down there, is um, over the period of five years, I've um, established different relationships with people down in Louisiana, and they're so excited that women want to come and hunt gators. And some of them are like, they are a total nuisance on our property. And we just want them gone. You know, they eat our cows. They eat our chickens. They, they'll, you know, they'll come after people, you know, um, as unfortunately we have seen on the news on and off, especially around in Florida. So they have to be controlled like any other predatory species. And so the meat actually is very good too. A lot of people only eat gator tail or the jowl meat, but you can actually eat the whole gator if you know how to process it correctly. Um, Still, some people don't prefer the taste of gator. Um, So it's just, I guess, an individual preference, but it is one of the coolest hunts that I do. And Years ago, it wasn't something that I came up with on my own. I had ladies sending me messages on social media saying, please take us gator hunting. And I was like, y'all are crazy. Like, I'm not going gator hunting. Do you know how much teeth they have? (laughs) Do you know about their tails? They can jump straight up out of the water. Um, Not many people know that. I mean... They can get going with their tails and completely clear the water. And they can come in our boat, you know. And I'm like, y'all are crazy. Well, they kept on and on and on. So then I started researching it and I was like, okay. I have a lot of ladies that want to do that. And they trust me and my knowledge in the outdoors and, you know, that I'll take care of them. And so... I'm going to push myself outside of my limits and be brave and go figure out how to do this. And it was one of the best hunts I've ever been on. And it was an amazing experience. Like, you know, your first time is such a rush of um, learning everything, seeing all the wildlife down there. Um, Everywhere you went, you saw gator eyes. You know, there were thousands of (laughs) yes I mean everywhere there's thousands of babies and I'm like oh look a baby and they were like okay you can hold a baby but don't hold it too long because the mama will come after you and they're liable to come in the boat after their baby so 
Um, what I learned, it's, it's just, it's amazing. But what I learned was the way that we do it in Louisiana is a lot of times you tie a limb line with a hook. You tie a line on a limb with a hook and you put a type of bait. Um, our choice is decaying rotten chicken. And it's mm, sounds very hard. Sounds delicious. <laughs> Pungent. Very, right, right. It's very tough to be in the boat when you are baiting lines. Um, the smell is atrocious. And so you you have to have a very strong stomach. And, um, of course, so we put that rotting meat on um, the line and you leave it overnight and you go down through we have hunted the Mississippi River. We've hunted bayous. We've hunted, you know, um, smaller rivers and new roads in Jonesville, different, you know, cities in Louisiana, different properties, ponds um, where cattle farmers have a whole bunch of alligators in their ponds that are coming up and killing their cattle. So it's really cool to be able to go down there and be a part of that community and the the dialect that they speak and um, trying to understand some of them and experiencing their world um, is all part of the experience, too. That's amazing. Then the next day, you get up and you go pull those lines and you do not know what size gator you have on that line. Um, and they do fight you pretty hard, so you have to be very careful that you don't get pulled in. And, um, of course. We have harvested gators um, from four feet all the way up to 12. And <laughs> that's a large animal. That is a very <laughs> large animal. That's, yeah. Yes, that stresses me out. I, yeah. There's nothing of that sort in the landlocked states. Right. The, um, the 12 foot gator was two years ago. And um, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation. A lot of deer hunters, you know, go through this, um, turkey hunters, when you're holding up your gun and, or your bow and your whole body is shaking or your upper body is shaking. I was actually standing in the boat and I thought I was going to fall in the water. My knees were shaking so bad trying to, what we do is we try to get them close enough to the boat where we can shoot them. And, um... I was shaking so bad holding that gun. I was like, I thought I was going to pass out. I, you know, I was like, this is a massive dinosaur predator. Um, it had been eating different animals around the bayou, uh, smaller gators. Um, one person was, it had ate a lot of their cats. <laughs> and so he oh was goodness. a monster. And I literally thought I was going to fall in the water. It took five men to get him in the boat. That's, that is a very, yes, that, that's quite the experience. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm only familiar with like the shaking and the like significant adrenaline rush known as buck fever. But in this case, would that be considered gator fever? I guess so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, wow. Absolutely. So it's amazing when those ladies get to go and experience that, you know, and I mean, I've had a few ladies like, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know? And I'm like, okay, you don't have to, but this may be a once in a lifetime experience, you know, and you have to 
you know, like coach them and be like, I'll be there with you. I'll help you. I'll put my arms around you. I'll help you shoot it. Uh, Nothing's going to happen to you, you know? So just have being a mentor and assuring them there in a way that you're going to do everything you can to protect them. And then the moment they do it, they're so empowered and it's just like, um, you know, like, flying an airplane or doing your first solo and you're so nervous and you're so scared and then you do it and you're like, wow, I did that. I did that on my own. And so through all of the things that are going on in the world and, uh, you know, life is scary. You know, everything that we go through in life that helps give people like, hey, I I harvested a gator or I killed my first deer or I brought home my first turkey. Um, This isn't nothing. You know, what just happened to me today is nothing. I can do these things in the outdoors. And I believe that it really helps you as a person to survive by, by being in the outdoors and having those experiences. I, I agree. There's a couple of things that I wanted to follow up on. Um, you mentioned that processing the gator, there's a lot of different, so you, you can eat more than just the tail and the jowls. What does that processing look like? Can you walk us through how you would go ahead and uh, do you field dress them or do you just take them in once they're in the boat? Um. Well, in a lot of, uh, well, basically every hunt or fishing event that I do, um, when we take the animal in back to camp, I teach the ladies how to clean that animal myself, um, fish, everything. And I try to, you know, talk about the species and everything to them. And for gators, that was very, that was a really tough one for me um, to learn how to clean it because a lot of ladies want to tan the hides So just like when you're going to take your deer to a taxidermist, there's a certain way you have to cape it out. Well, it's the same thing with a gator and the hide is very, very, very tough. And so you have to know how to, to cape him out, you know, or do a full body mount, how to cut, you know, the, the correct cuts for that. And then you go into the processing or the cutting of the meat. So you can take a cow or a deer And there are certain cuts of meat. Um, I'm not really good with all the names of the cuts on a gator, but there's different sections that I know. And of course, everybody wants the tail and the jowls. And then you also have kind of a tenderloin along the, or a backstrap along the gator like you do in a deer. And so we cut that out if they want that. And then the rest of the meat, you just kind of cut into blocks and sections, but the biggest deal on processing that is because they live in swampy water, um, they can taste like swamp water (laughs) and they smell really bad. (laughs) So that meat can taste like that. That's why a lot of people say gator meat is nasty. So what you have to do is any type of greasy fat on that meat, you have to cut every bit of that off because that is what holds a lot of the oils and the greases and the the taste of the environment that they live in. And then I tell my ladies to soak all of their gator meat in a cooler in a salt water and vinegar for four to five days, draining it and re-adding it like some people do that with deer meat without the vinegar. And that pulls a lot of that swampiness out of it. 
just like when you cook fish, you can, you know, soak it in salt water. You can always add vinegar to pull the uh, gaminess out of it. With a lot of game, if you hunt and fish enough and enough different species, there's different taste to every species. So if you learn how to soak it and marinate it, my experience is everything tastes good. So I have raised my children on the outdoors. But, you know, I've learned through trial and error through the years and recipes from different people and stuff so that I can raise my kids eating game. I think that's fantastic. Have they also now learned to cook game? And do you have hunting stories with them as well? They have. They have learned to, um, they help me even process, you know, they'll help me process my deer. They'll help me with the gator. They're not fans of that because when we are, I'll turn a lot of it into gator burger and they just think like the texture and stuff is weird when, when I'm grinding it up and make it into burger. But when I cook it, they have no idea. Um, if I cook gator burgers, I'm like, yeah, we're having burgers for supper tonight, y'all. And they'll eat it. And then I'm like, hey, you had gator burgers. My son's always like, cool, because he knows he doesn't ever know what he's eating. So his answer <laughs> is always cool. Mom, that was good. My daughter sometimes will be like, oh, that was so gross. I knew you were making me eat something. So, and yet she uh, still tries it and still she trusts still eats you to it. put something tasty on the table. <laughs> she does. She's got to the point where she's like, don't even tell me. And I'm like, well, I don't. That's how I've got you to eat it all these years. So it's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> but their Mary favorite back. thing, exactly. Their favorite thing now, which I totally love. My favorite thing uh, to hunt is turkey hunting. Um, there's so many reasons why, but it's very challenging. And I've, I've had so many cool experiences being in the outdoors uh, by myself, turkey hunting. I just, it's, it's empowering for me. And, um, their favorite thing to eat is turkey, wild turkey. So when season comes around, my children are actually, actually so excited. Where are you turkey hunting this year? Okay, are you going to Nebraska? Are you going to Kansas? How many can you kill in Nebraska? How many can you get in Kansas? So they'll start counting. So we could possibly have five turkeys to eat this year, and they get excited. <laughs> they love wild turkey. That's awesome. And how do you how do you prepare that? Do you normally do like fried turkey, or do you um, grill it? Do you roast it? Like what? Yeah, mm -hmm. do you chop it up and use it as taco meat? I've, I've done, I guess all of those, but all of those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We've, we've done all of those too. I know that most people like fried turkey, but what my kids ask me for is I get skewer sticks and I thinly slice my turkey breast into, um, two inch strips in length and about an inch, inch and a half in a width and then I put cream cheese a little bit of jalapeno and I roll it up and of course wrap it with bacon everything's better with bacon put it on the skewers and I grill it and it's I mean they devour it they fight over it you had four no I didn't I only had three <laughs> and <laughs> they can't one can't have four skewers and the other only have three because then they're mad because they didn't get them equally you know how kids are but it is just that's their 
most favorite way to eat wild turkey? I mean, I think that's just a good way in general to, to cook anything. Poppers, Absol- can't, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. you really can't go wrong <laughs> unless there's not enough bacon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, tell us, so have you, did you take your kids on any turkey hunts in this last season for spring turkey or did you primarily do these mentored hunts? So I've taken my daughter turkey hunting and she has killed her first turkey this season. She has a boyfriend, so he proceeded time with him um, over mom and turkey hunting. So I tried to take her this year. She loves turkey hunting, but um, she doesn't like that she has to be still. So her favorite type of hunting is waterfowl because she can talk and move. My son loves to fish, so he'll go with me when I go fishing. Okay. Awesome. And how often, like how frequently do you get out? Is this an every weekend ordeal? Is this a daily ordeal? Um, just hunting and fishing in general? Um, throughout the week when I'm working, I usually try to go fishing after work. Of course, I, you know, do supper and stuff with my kids, see what they have going on. They're older now, they have jobs. And um, if they're busy, I'll usually go out in my kayak and go fishing. Almost Every single weekend, um, I'm hunting or fishing. I have something going on in the outdoors. I don't like to stay inside at all. Um, I've always been that way since I was little. I just didn't want to be in the house. So <laughs> whatever it is, I'm outside somewhere when I'm not working. So, Awesome. I love it. Okay, and we're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of our partners. Proas believes women hunt hard and deserve the gear to support their hunting and outdoor passions. What sets Proas apart is our belief that women require performance outdoor gear for all of their hunting and field pursuits. Their layering systems are quite technical but philosophically simple. Optimal base layers, prime insulation layers, and durable shell layers to stop wind and water. Take pride in not being one of the guys. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we're back. And again, we have Artemis Ambassador Tracy Shaw with us, who's out of Arkansas and is an avid hunter and angler um, and mentor in both of those spaces. Um, Thanks again for being here, Tracy. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. I know. So in our pre-show conversation, you also mentioned, and you also mentioned uh, before the break, that um, you also fly. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Well, when I was young, I used to want to fly the space shuttle. 
And so my parents kind of nurtured cool. that. And um, then as I got older, I found out to fly the space shuttle, you would need to be an astronaut. And astronauts can be astronauts or scientists for 20 something years before they get to go up in the space shuttle. So I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be a scientist. I just want to fly planes. And so <laughs> um, I started looking into what I could do in aviation and make a living. So I decided I wanted to be a bush pilot because I could fly people in to different places for hunts and um, still get to do something that I love. So I pursued that career for many years and um, got my pilot's license. I keep my uh, license current, but once I had children, I decided to put that on the side until my kids were grown. I still, like I said, do my touch and goes and stay current, and that is still something I have never given up, and I have goals in aviation still that I am working towards. Can you elaborate a little bit more on those goals? And do they have to do, do they fall under like the hunting and fishing (laughs) umbrella? Sure. So there are a lot of certifications or ratings in aviation. Um, There's single engine, twin engine, your instrument rating, your commercial license. You can be a flight instructor and there's, there are a lot of different goals. So right now, my, you know, certification is I'm a private pilot. So there's, you know, a certification after that and one after that. So what I'm doing in that aviation part is I want to do the next certification, which would be my twin engine license and my IFR, which is your instrument rating and just all of those that you have to do, you know, you have to build on those. Um, I want to go all the way with all my certifications, which I would end up being a flight instructor. So if I wanted to teach women how to fly, um, I'm not too sure if I want to teach kids how to fly because (laughs) kids have no fear. And I don't know if I want to be in the plane with them just yet. (laughs) I may just want to teach women, you know, and um, then see where I am at that point with all those certifications And I would love to have my own business flying people wherever they wanted to go, whether it be as a bush pilot or, you know, hey, Tracy, can you fly me to Dallas or can you fly me to Florida for this hunt or, um, you know, whatever it is at the time of what type of plane that I have. So I just kind of don't want to discourage myself and set small goals toward working toward um, whatever the big one ends up being, but I kind of have an idea of which way I want to go and we'll see where it, where it goes. I really like that. And I like that really with all of these activities and, um, things that you enjoy doing and things that you've made a career out of, right. There's always a component of mentorship with it. I just, that's a, that's a very maybe unique approach. It's, it's a type of service that I don't think many people have in maybe maybe both their personal and and professional lives. So I love that you've merged really the two. There's like a nexus between all of them. I'm curious of what your other interests are. Well, um, because I love um, the outdoors, one of my personal goals 
that, you know, I was pretty good at. I felt like that my dad taught me a lot about was deer hunting. And then um, I kind of learned more about turkey hunting on my own. But one of the things that he did not take me um, to do a lot of, and that was waterfowl hunting, because it was very, it can be very dangerous falling in icy water and getting water in your waders. And, you know, I was a girl and he wanted to protect his daughter. And so I started learning about waterfowl hunting probably about seven years ago. And I fell in love with it. And um, I mentored a kids hunt for youth weekend. And I'm a volunteer with the NWTF. And they called me and said, hey, can you be our woman representative for this hunt? So I went and I had never been goose hunting before. And I sat by a little girl in the field. She was around 10 years old. And I talked to her about, you know, loading her gun and what she needed to do and about geese and, you know, uh, watching them come in and what what it is when they what's called cupping up and how beautiful it is and just kind of just telling her about you know, birds, what I knew about birds. And when she killed her first geese, we almost got in trouble in the field, screaming and hollering. And wanted to, we wanted to get up and dance around. And I wanted her just to be so excited that she did that on her own and have a lasting memory for the rest of her life that hopefully she would continue doing it, which also put a spark in me. So the outfitter actually said, hey, Tracy, you know, we have ladies that hunt. We have girls and kids, and I really think you did an amazing job today, and we would love to call you when we have other ladies or kids, and if you would be interested. And I said, absolutely, and my relationship went from there, and I went with them as much as I was able to, and I said, hey, I really want to start learning how to goose call and how to set up decoys and learning about the wind, um, how you set up the decoys in the wind, learning about the weather, how they react. Um, I wanted to learn about the flyways, um, where they hatch, where they fly down from, you know, up north all the way down south, Mississippi flyway, and everything that goes on about that species to become better at that so that when I mentored people, Um, I would know what I was talking about and, um, I learned how to clean them. And then I also taught myself how to taxidermy their feet, their be their beaks and their wings. And now I teach women when I take them and we have made some beautiful artwork, uh, from duck wings and goose wings and we've made wreaths and I actually got a picture a couple weeks ago from the lady that the goose fell in her lap and she had taxidermied her first snow goose wing and um, his foot on a piece of driftwood and it's beautiful and she has it hanging on her wall. So through that experience over the past five years, um, I recently got asked to um, do this as a a job part-time because, of course, I have my business that I work full-time. But when I started all of this goose hunting, I was like, how amazing would it be that I became decent at at um, being a waterfowl hunter that I could possibly guide? 
And so that became a goal of mine five years ago. And recently I accomplished that goal and I, it's, it's amazing. I am trying to get better at my goose calling for the upcoming season. And so I'm going to be able to book hunts and, and have a lot more hunts for ladies. Um, I'm also going to do like co-ed couple hunts and hopefully I can do a few kid hunts where I get to take kids out, but that's a goal now that I have accomplished and I'm super excited about our season. And, um, it is with a business called run and gun adventures in Bay city, Texas. They've been in business a really long time. They hunt and fish, uh, they do it all. And they're bringing that division to Arkansas and I'm getting to be a part of it. And I'm super excited. Yes, I think that's, I'm excited to, to um, hear about this in the future of like, yeah, <laughs> how this ends up going. And, and I, I just, you have so many different passions and you're so involved in all of these hunting and angling um, yeah, organizations and uh, I just think it's it's very clear that you're a leader in this space. And um, what what tips and tricks say if somebody was past the beginner phase, they were a little bit more intermediate and would like to start dabbling in the mentorship or start dabbling in um, being around other hunters and anglers um, and yeah, and and going out as a group that with people that maybe they don't know, do you have any recommendations for them on how to do that? Absolutely. So as we know, being in the world today, there are um, a lot of different types of personalities and people. And so what I would suggest is if you are wanting to mentor people, that you put that on some type of social media platform or word of mouth And when you do, that you check the people out, uh, of course, that are interested in wanting to go with you. Because if you are leading this, your first priority to people that you take is safety. So you want to protect them with groups that you're taking out and you try to get to know these people that are going with you the best that you can. And, um, you know, you ask people questions that you want to take. You want to make sure that you um, teach them gun safety. That's the number one thing in taking anyone hunting. I've had some scary things happen in years of mentoring, and it's going to happen, unfortunately. But that's your number one thing is talking about safety. Make sure you know about the gun that that you are going to be hunting with, the equipment that you're hunting with, um, the people that you are taking. Like I said, you want to be as protective as you can in your group. and. Um, from the intermediate level, know the different types of ammo that you use for, for instance, if you are going goose hunting or duck hunting, educate yourself on shotgun ammo. Um, If you were a beginner and you're coming into intermediate, a lot of that is still very overwhelming. What shot size you need for quail, pheasant, duck, geese. Um, It can be very overwhelming in your brain trying to remember if it's a two, if it's a four, you know, if it's a seven. So learn your ammo, your ammunition, and then, um, you know, know your surroundings where you're going to go as a mentor. You want to go and scout the property that you're going to be taking someone there. And then above all, 
the best hunt ever is the experience. Whether you harvest something or not, it is the experience in the outdoors, how you can change someone's life through that experience. They could be have, you know, things going on at home or in their life that you don't even know about. And you literally can turn somebody around, you know, um, I've heard stories. I haven't heard it from anyone I've hunted with, but you know, people that were on the brink of depression during COVID and even, um, suicidal and they went hunting and fishing and it was like, wow, I did not know this world was out here. I'm not giving up my life yet. So you can impact and make a difference in someone's life through mentoring and you can even grow with them. So you being an intermediate person and you're out there, you learn something from them. That's what's the coolest thing. You can learn from other people that don't even hunt. They can teach you things too, you know? So always be open to never um, giving up that you, you can learn something yourself from somebody else, no matter how advanced you are. Of course. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> We're approaching the end of this episode and um, our normal weekly closer is hits and misses. Tracy, can you please share what you've been aiming for and how it went? Well, what I had been aiming for was to become a waterfowl guide and I actually accomplished that this year. Um, I'm trying to think of my misses. Um, I try to basically concentrate on a goal and then I work toward achieving it. And, um, I guess, you know, I'm not a bush pilot right now, so (laughs) I kind of missed that one because I chose to be a mother first. I mean, it can still, it's still possible. It's still, but I can still still still, work. Absolutely. (laughs) It's simply a hit that you haven't hit yet. It's one of those goals that, um, will hopefully come to fruition or in the next 10, 20 years. You're right. So one of the biggest things that I hear, so I'm 48. Okay. And I I have this lady who I took that was 65. And then I've taken, you know, really young girls and, and boys, six years, eight years. But I hear things about around being around um, women as we get older that I'll meet and they're like, oh, I've never hunted a day in my life. And I'm like, okay, do you want to? So there are a lot of people, and and from what I experience, it is more with ladies. And that's a little disheartening to me um, because I've always had a mindset of you can do whatever you want to do. So I want to empower other women and young girls to believe that they can do anything that they want to do. They may not do it well. You know, you you may go to make a dish and you follow a recipe and it's absolutely terrible, but you still did it. So I don't think that people should go around and say, I can't do that. I think people can do anything that they want to do and they should try. They may not be great at it, but at least they tried. So with all the things that I do, a lot of people say, you know, you're very busy. You're involved in a lot of things. And I'm like, yeah, I am. But that's, those are my goals and what I want to do. And sometimes it's just seeing, hey, can I do that? And then I go, oh yeah, I can do that. I wasn't that great at it. So 
with even being an Artemis sportswoman, empowering other ladies to be like, you can do anything that you want to do. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect or the best at it. You know, you just have to be good enough for yourself to be like, hey, I did that. And now I'm incorporating this into my life. And it's um, you are becoming a better woman and a better sportswoman because of that to, you know, I just want to encourage anybody to try anything that they want to do and don't think that you can't do it. And if you need a mentor, I'm here for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, definitely reach out. And actually, can you remind us where, um, where folks can find you on social media? Sure. So I'm on, um, Facebook under Arkansas Outdoors Woman and Instagram Arkansas Outdoors Woman. And the reason why I did that was I, you know, I'm part of the Artemis part of Arkansas, and I wanted to try to help more ladies in my state in Arkansas to let them also know, hey, you're an Arkansas outdoors woman. So um, I kind of just generalized all of us being like that, and I thought it would be a whole lot easier for people to find me that way. But, of course, I take women from all over, but it's just easier if you know it's Tracy Shaw from Arkansas, and then you don't forget it's the outdoors woman part. So, Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us this week on the Artemis podcast. We hope you're having a great week. And until next time, be bold, stay curious, and get outside. Mm-hmm.